Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE is a catalyst for change in the engineering industry, and one of the biggest ways we inspire that change is through our annual SWE Conference for Women Engineers and Technologists. This year's conference, WE21 in Indianapolis, Indiana, will help attendees at all ages and stages learn, connect, and grow. Join us for three days of networking and relationship building, over 250 professional development sessions, three inspirational keynotes, and a career fair featuring more than 300 exhibitors. Let's aspire to inspire at WE21, October 21st through the 23rd. Head to we21.swe.org for more info and to register. Hello, I'm Rachel Morford, president of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Today, I'm joined by Barbara Humpton, who is CEO of Siemens USA. As you likely know, Siemens is a technology company that is driving the transformation of industry and infrastructure from smart buildings and grids to more efficient factories to sustainable and reliable transportation. As CEO, Barbara champions a mission centered on purpose and driven by collaboration. She's passionate about diversity and STEM education. I'm delighted to also tell you that Barbara will be the keynote speaker on Friday, October 22nd at WE21 in Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. In her keynote, she'll discuss the pivotal moment that changed her perspective on leadership. Thanks for joining us today, Barbara. It's great to be with you. So I want to jump right into some of your philosophies about leadership. You advocate fostering a growth mindset. Can you talk a little bit about what this means to you? Yeah. Think about what we've experienced just over the past year. What we've discovered is that it's in times of disruption, as things ungel, that we get to question how we do things. And at Siemens, we saw that it's in these moments that people want to step up. You know, people want to be given more responsibility. They want to be useful. So we decided to lean into the concept. We want our employees to feel empowered, to solve problems, to collaborate with each other and pursue big ideas. And that means making space for creativity and initiative to flourish. We've had employees at Siemens who've been with us for more than 40 years working in technologies that we couldn't even imagine at the beginning of their careers. And they've continued to learn. They taught themselves new skills. And that's the growth mindset in practice. I think a lot of us can really resonate with that ability to continuously learn and practice new skill sets. When you say you make space for employees to be creative, can you give us a few examples? Well, sure. I mean, actually, maybe the biggest step we took during this past year was to recognize that when you're dealing with a global crisis that is going to affect everyone everywhere at different times in different ways, the most important thing is to give people a framework, a lightweight set of guidance from which they are expected to make decisions and respond. And and what we found was leaders all around the world who said, yes, I understand the guidance from Siemens. It's take care of our employees, take care of our business, see how we can be helpful to combat our pandemic. 
but then what we found is people stepping up in so many different ways from networks of engineers using 3D printers in their basements to create PPE for healthcare workers to people figuring out how they could work toward social justice, to people figuring out how they could engage small disadvantaged businesses in new and different ways. It's that kind of, you know, instead of being prescriptive, let's empower people to do what needs to be done. That's really fantastic. And I think a lot of companies could learn from providing that framework to then allow employees to make decisions within that. That's a really important leadership lesson, I think. Siemens has always looked towards the future and is an innovator in the industries you serve. You lead the company's largest market. How do you approach challenges as CEO? Mm, Well, (laughs) Rachel, I'm an optimist. Uh, And that really is at the very core of who I am as a grandmother and as a leader. And one of the fundamental things is being able to see challenges as opportunities. And in fact, it's a concept that I keep coming back to ever since the pandemic began. This idea of, have you heard the phrase, the term anti-fragile? You know, yes. right? When when something's fragile, it'll it'll be it'll break. It can be harmed by disruption. But if something is the exact opposite of that, it's it's anti-fragile. It actually gets stronger from disruption, like like when we work out our muscles or like when we take a vaccine. So so learning to be able to recognize opportunities inside the challenges we're facing has been key to my career. And it's also, there's one other thing I've learned to do in the face of a challenge. The first thing to stop and ask myself is, is this something I control or not? I mean, if it's not something I have control over, then I've learned not to stress, just to treat it as news. And then that gives me the energy. I can use the energy instead on on looking at how to handle the things that truly are within my control or, in fact, are my responsibility to act on. Barbara, I think that's really powerful to see challenges as opportunities and the concept of anti-fragility. And I've heard it also referred to as resiliency in a lot of discussions. Let's talk about the importance of diversity in STEM fields. How can others in the industry create a more diverse, inclusive environment within their companies and teams? I know we're all wrestling with this. And I'll share with you that as a technology company, we see the real power in putting together diverse teams, getting people in a room and encouraging them to work together on a problem. I mean, an example is who would have thought that as we enter this phase of geopolitics, uh, that that a lawyer could be every bit as essential to a software team as someone who's studied computer programming, right? But but in fact, it takes different perspectives, different skill sets to get great results for a business. And, and that's what we do. But it's in addition to just closing the skill gap, what we really have to close is the opportunity gap. Uh, you know, there are people who don't even have the first idea of how to get involved in fields like ours. They need uh, to find a path that will let them get their foot in the door in the first place. And so that means looking for talent everywhere. It's one reason why we at the Siemens Foundation, where I'm privileged to serve as chair, 
we have really devoted all of our work to igniting an interest in STEM fields and, and making sure that we're reaching very diverse populations through things like curricula and, and actually apprenticeships, apprenticeships beginning as early as the high school years. So we're real believers that creating multiple pathways is going to help us uh, you know, open the doors for people who might not have considered careers in our field. And then, of course, the key is giving those people a chance to join, drawing them in and giving them a sense of belonging. Do you belong at Siemens? I mean, I know I do because I love solving big problems, climate change, urbanization, the aging demographics that are affecting our healthcare. Those are all things I'm passionate about. And I want others who feel the same way to know they too could build a career with us. That's incredibly powerful. And I think is very well aligned with a lot of the efforts of the Society of Women Engineers, obviously with our outreach efforts and our return to work programs for those who have been out of out of the industry for a little while. I think that's something that we can all get behind and all of our listeners are very passionate about as well. I had a question about the shift to remote work. Obviously, we saw a lot of shift during the pandemic to remote work, and that has caused a lot of discussion and focus on cultivating a healthy work-life balance. You, however, have talked about a work-life blend in other uh, discussions. How do you define that, and, and how can our listeners potentially work to achieve that? Yeah, I mean, first, Rachel, think about work-life balance and all that implies. It impel, it, I, to me, it implies that there's some kind of perfection we can reach, right? I've got this perfectly balanced and I, I've got equilibrium. And frankly, life isn't like that. <laughs> so years ago, as soon as our mobile working technology start to be in, started to be introduced, I enjoyed the idea of the work-life blend. I mean, Take care of the things that need to be taken care of when they need to be taken care of. I mean, when a child's school calls, we're all going to take that call and go do what needs to be done, right? And, and then likewise, we've all had moments where the pressures of a project were such we really needed to be there. I, I, I along with many of you, have had, you know, triple digit hour weeks, uh, you know, as we, as we work on critical initiatives for our companies. But really, I think the work-life blend is about recognizing our priorities and working towards both. And I used to get this question from women. More and more, I'm getting this question from men as well. And the pandemic really highlighted the need for us to, A, understand our priorities, and B, draw boundaries. I'm talking to you today from what I call Studio 1A in my home apartment. Right? And, and when, when work is done today, I'll actually put away all of my gear and I'll go, you know, pour a nice sparkly drink that I can share with my husband as we, he wraps up his day too. And it's it, to us, it's that, that wonderful hour that says day is done and it's time for us. So I'm hoping people are able to find the balance that works for them, the blend that works for them in their work and their life. Yeah, Barbara, I think the ability to close, to, to figuratively or literally close the door on your workplace during the pandemic has certainly been something I have valued personally over the last year. 
in order to have that healthy boundary condition and, and prioritize efforts. Rachel, can I ask you, how does it work for you? I mean, do you have a family? Are, are, are you actually with others who have competing priorities in your household? I, I am. My husband is, is also an engineer and um, we will we will be balancing even more. I'm expecting my our first child in uh, no, the end of November. So I will be experiencing more of the need to prioritize and set boundaries very shortly. But SWE also takes up a pretty significant amount of time because it's and it is a very high priority for me. So it's balancing at the moment work and personal life along with my SWE commitments as president. Yeah. Well, I think what you're going to find is that there are people all around you who want to step up and do more to help you. And, and I also think you'll discover that your focus is going to be sharpened because, and frankly, having a child just changes everything. So I've heard and read across the, the past few months. So your bachelor's degree is in mathematics, Barbara. What initially sparked or inspired your interest in STEM? Well, it was hard not to have an interest in mathematics in my home because both of my parents were math professors, both passionate about the subject, and they really were constantly working on ways to make their subject matter more interesting to their students. And they tended to bring home the, you know, the, uh, the hands-on experiments and things like that, that they were using to illustrate their points and tried it out on us kids. There were three of us and, you know, we were the uh, Siskel and Ebert, if you will, of, of math projects. I loved it. I loved the whole, uh, you know, problem solving aspect of it. When I went to college, I always loved the theoretical math um, classes that I took and really said to myself, oh, I would know it, never do anything with applied mathematics, but my heavens, the rest of my career has been built on building things that basically depend on the laws of physics. <laughs> and therefore, that grounding in applied mathematics turned out to be so worth it. Thank you for sharing that story. That's always one of my favorite questions to ask and ask anyone and to hear how, how they got interested in them and came into our industry. And I think there's a lot of people who had that, had an experience with parents using them as guinea pigs. I like your analogy of being Siskel and Ebert to all of their, their efforts. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for young women today to use STEM? those who might have experiences or those who don't have that, that personal connection to the field? Yeah, uh, I, I tend to look at this, um, obviously, from the perspective of what I myself have chosen as my path. And I'm so passionate about the problems that need to be solved today. You know, that Siemens actually has built its business strategy around these global megatrends, these inexorable forces that are driving our future. So whether it's climate change, urbanization, um, a more interconnected global supply chain, or the digitalization of everything, we need to solve some really big problems. And then couple that with a premise, which is Talent is equally distributed across humanity, right? I, the, there are people everywhere who have gifts. 
And my question is, how do I get them interested in helping to solve the problems we have before us today? So I really do believe that with, particularly with women, where a society has has driven us such that so many women will tell themselves early in their careers that they're not good at math or it's it's hard oh it's for boys right there's all this there's this um you know just sort of dialogue that goes on that convinces people to go a different direction and i think because of that we're missing out on about half the talent that exists in the world i want access to that talent and i want people to be i want people to have the opportunity i want women to have the opportunity to see the fun of solving big problems, being parts of teams that are doing things that really change the world. So that's my dream, and that that more young women would first study the basic math that's necessary for understanding everything else, and then second, will step into those non-traditional paths in education that ultimately lead to these great careers. I can really resonate with that. I know I've had a lot of conversations with college students about how incredible it would be if every single person who had a interest in math as a grade school student continued to pursue that interest through college and how many more engineers we might have going into engineering programs at colleges and universities around the world. And we'd have all that additional brain power and resources addressed to some of these really hard problems as you've described. I think that is a very important critical message and one that that we're really trying to address as we increase the pipeline of, of engineers and scientists across the globe. What are the things you've seen that are yielding real results? Are, are you seeing any programs or approaches that give you optimism? I think SWE's SWE Next program is a really incredible uh, example of what can happen when we reach out to grade school students or or K through 12 students in the United States, uh, pre-college students around the world. It gives you a group, it's a club format, and they can feed off of each other's excitement and tackle really interesting problems. There are challenges that we give out every month via social media and other forums. And it's just, it's so fun to see and inspiring really to see the videos that come out of the challenges and the response rate that we get. Um, So that's, that's something that I have, have gotten a lot of optimism from personally. That's good to know. I've got another inkling that as our software tools get more and more capable, the work of engineering is going to feel a lot more like playing a video game. And I do believe that the infectious fun of working on things, I mean, you think about the game Minecraft, for instance, how many kids today are actually, you know, building things in collaboration with peers, you know, searching, doing research, and then, and then putting together new and different tools for themselves uh, and, and solving real problems, but in the virtual world. I, I, at Siemens, one of the things we're working on is uh, applying some of those same you know, gamification approaches to the tools of engineering, making it much more intuitive for people to interface with the technology. Yeah, that, that absolutely sounds like it would be a lot of fun to work on and 
see the results of. I'm, I'm excited to hear how that goes over the next few years. And maybe we can talk about that at our tag up in we, at WE21 in Indianapolis this fall. My last question is if you could give any one piece of advice to current engineers who would like to move up the leadership ranks, what would it be? Oh, hands down, it's raise your hand. Yeah, it, the one piece of advice that I think is really key is for people within an organization to raise their hand for the hardest problems. Look for the areas where there's real difficulty, the, the problem projects, the, the challenging teams. Raise your hand, step up, and bring your skills to the table. I'll tell you, leaders everywhere are looking for problem solvers in their organizations, and that can be you. And I think that goes back to part of your earlier comments about taking that step forward and and how willing we've seen across the past year our employees are around the world to do that and step into the creative, creative problem solving. Barbara, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. I'm very much looking forward to your keynote during WE21 and our conversations there. I really appreciate the leadership lessons that you've shared with us and some of the advice. I think there's a lot of things that our listeners can take away from this conversation. The idea of having a growth mindset and working within a framework to really come up with the best solution possible, trying towards a prescribed solution and the idea of agility and resiliency and the importance of our diverse teams and a work blend versus a perfection of work-life balance. So thank you very much for joining us. Rachel, I can't wait to see you in Indianapolis. Thanks. I'm Rachel Morford. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Remember to head to we21.swe.org to learn more about and register for this year's conference. 